Episode 58, The Audio 101 Show, Part 2. Well, today is Part 2 of Audio 101, and in this episode, I simplify common terms of editing and post-processing of audio for podcasters. And you are listening to episode number 58 of Mike Murphy Unplugged. Learn, create, move forward. I am your host, Mike Murphy. I'm a one-man band, I'm a technology junkie, and I love helping people figure things out. I am really excited to be here with you today. And the goal of Mike Murphy Unplugged, it's to help you learn what you need to know in order to create online content so you can move forward in business and in life. Episode 58, it is packed full of head-spinning audio terms and concepts, which means there will be no Podcasters Toolkit today, but it will return to its regularly scheduled spot next episode. So last week in episode 57, that was part one, we talked about some of the more common audio terms of pre-production and recording, such as mono versus stereo, levels, gain, dB, waveforms. The better your pre-production and recording, the easier and better your post-production will be. Guaranteed. Work really hard at getting the recording good going in. Good mic technique, gain staging, recording in a quiet room is going to get you most of the way there. So let's take the recording that we had from part one and do some post-production. So now we're in audition or your DAW of choice. You're looking at the waveform. Now what? Well, now what is exact reason for this series? I found it really hard to get the same answer to that question in a step-by-step instruction that I was looking for. And in all fairness, there is no one-size-fits-all to audio editing. But I'm going to at least share with you my process and explain what the terms are that you really need to be paying the most attention to. Many of you know that I'm a big Photoshop junkie, and there are thousands of filters and tools in Photoshop but you only need to master a handful. The first term you need to know, editing. That is the first step of post-production. And editing really just refers to fixing the ums and the ahs and deleting the gaps in the audio and the obvious mistakes. This is really easy to do in Audition and all of the other editors. You're really just selecting and deleting. If you have ever edited video, it's very similar. Start at the left and work your way all the way to the end. The goal of editing is to shape your story or your message or your lesson, clean up the gaps and the mistakes, and produce a naturally sounding podcast. Easy, right? Well, many obsess over the imperfections in their voice and the ums and the words that you say over and over again. My advice is to find a happy medium. You really want to produce quality for your listeners, but they want to hear the real you. So don't be lazy and not try to do some editing, but don't kill yourself and spend too much time here either. Find balance. The reason I edit before any post-processing is that if I need to record anything that maybe I forgot to say as I was listening back, or if I made a mistake, I want the new recording to match the original, and I don't want to have to try to match it after I've already added effects. Post-processing, plugins, filters, effects... The editing is done, and now it's on to the scary stuff. And I fully admit, this part was stressing me out at first, but it was mostly because I did not know if I was doing it right. For podcasting, your biggest goal is just to smooth out the levels, make it sound legible and clear, and comply with the loudness standards so your listeners don't have to ride the volume bar on their earbuds. First post-processing technique you need to know, noise reduction. I use the default filter in Adobe Audition, and this is the first step that I typically do. And here's the tip. 
Record three to five seconds of quiet room noise before you record anything so that you have a good ambient noise selection for noise reduction to sample from. So if you record a couple seconds of blank audio, you select that file, you capture that noise print, and then what you do is you select your entire file, you say process it, and addition will take that bad noise and go and remove it from everything in your file. It makes sense to do this early in the editing because if you raise up the levels before you do noise reduction, you also raise the levels of bad noise, and we don't want that. I will caution you though to use noise reduction plugins sparingly as aggressive noise reduction is going to make your voice sound weird. I apply the default noise reduction in Audition and I usually back it down to about 60%, call it good. Okay, number two, normalization. I do this after noise reduction. Normalization is simple. It is really just raising the volume of the entire clip of audio to a decibel level that you set. Now I tell Audition to normalize the entire track to negative three dB. We remember dB or decibels, right? So Audition then pulls up the volume of the entire track and the highest peak is now at minus three dB. And so everything got just a little bit louder, including the quiet parts. I think a normalization is a good starting point so I can add EQ and compression to a louder piece of audio so that I can hear the quality of the audio better and it's going to help me make better decisions when I apply the effects that really change the sound. Number three, EQ or equalizer or equalization, all the same. You all know what an equalizer is if you have ever seen a car stereo with treble or bass sliders and a lot of home stereos had equalizers that looked very cool. All you really need to know for starters is that equalizers work in frequencies. So try to visualize a stereo equalizer with sliders going up and down. Everything on the left side is the low frequency sounds. These are the rumbles. The sliders in the middle control the mid-range sounds or the mids, and you guessed it, everything on the right controls the high frequency sounds or high pitch sounds, maybe a baby crying perhaps. You refer to the numbers in hertz. So zero hertz would be on the far left, and then there's over 20,000 hertz on the far right or the high ends, okay? Which leads me to the term that I want you to remember when it comes to EQ, and that is the high pass filter. You may hear people say rolling off the lows or low end, that is a high pass filter. Now I use a high pass filter on every episode, and it is really an easy concept to understand and very easy to apply. So let's pretend we're looking at the equalizer again. It has a whole bunch of knobs going up and down, right? So go to the left side of the equalizer, the low end, and you're going to look for a slider that says 80 hertz under it. You're going to pull the 80 hertz slider all the way down. And then we're going to take every other slider to the left of the 80 hertz and pull that down to zero. And that is how you apply a high pass filter. You're killing off the unwanted low end rumbles, the sound that is not obvious at first, but it makes a huge difference to the overall clarity of your recording. So you pick a frequency at the low end and you pull everything down to the left of that frequency. That is a high pass filter and something that I do on every episode. I had a little bit of an aha moment with equalizers. Once I learned this concept that you can actually learn frequencies of common sounds, stuff that you know about. The rumbles and vibrations, they all live on the low end. There's frequencies if you have a cold or sinus problems around 200 hertz. Maybe you want to add some clarity or fix a nasally voice where you head up towards 800 or 1000. 
Now, you don't need to know what these numbers are right now, but I just want you to realize that you can actually put a sound that you know and you've heard of and match it to a range of frequencies on the EQ. I just thought that was kind of cool, and it made it a little less intimidating looking at an EQ. Now brace yourself, because we are going to tackle compression next, and that is a term that throws a lot of people off. But in order for me to make it easier for you to understand compression, I'm going to first explain what dynamic range is, another term that threw me off at first. So dynamic range in audio is really just the difference between the loudest and the quietest parts of the recording. That's it. The difference between the loudest and the quietest. And FYI, photography also has dynamic range. That is the difference between the darkest dark and the lightest light. So back to audio. When we speak out loud, we go up and down in volume naturally, right? Sometimes we speak softly and sometimes we crank it up when we're excited. The difference between these two is the dynamic range. Now, compression. This confuses everybody, so don't worry if you don't understand it at first. But the job of compression is to tame the dynamic range. But you don't want to tame it too much or it's going to sound unnatural and weird. Learning how to properly apply compression was maddening because nobody does it the same. Yet, it is arguably the key to good sounding podcasts. And it's also the key to bad sounding podcasts in many cases. You can use compression to get that boomy morning radio voice. Many new podcasters want to sound professional, so they overdo the compression to sound like they're on NPR or a radio disc jockey. But if you use it correctly, you can sound natural and full and is often what separates a novice from more experienced shows. I still struggle with compression a lot, but I had a major aha moment when I finally learned the relation between compression and dynamic range. Most people think compression just raises the volume because compressed audio sounds louder and clearer. But what compression actually does is it reduces the loudest parts of the audio to trim off the spikes, also called transients, thereby closing the gap between the loudest and quietest parts. And the gap, as we just learned, is the dynamic range. Take your mind off of audio for just a second and just think of the word compression. What does it mean to you? Get it, try to get a visual of it. Okay, what I want you to do is hold out your left hand. I want you to pretend that there's an audio track just lying flat on your left hand. You can see all the little dips and the spikes of the waveform. Now, take your right hand with your right palm. Just push down on all those prickly peaks until they flatten. You're going to smooth everything across, off, across the top, okay? Now, with your right hand, just push down on that audio file in your left hand. Give it a little smush. And what that is doing is you are compressing or squashing the dynamic range. And you are also lowering the volume, though. So then you reach over with your right hand and turn up the makeup gain knob. Just crank up the volume a little bit. And you're going to pull up that entire mass of audio that you just squashed down a little bit. And the result is going to be that the sound is sounds richer and louder sounding. And that is compression. I know this explanation is going to make audio engineers cringe, but that is how I process the visual. You're smushing down and then rising everything back up. Master compression and you are way ahead of the pack. This is the hardest process for me to learn and I realized it was mostly the language that threw me off. Okay, noise reduction, normalization, EQ, compression. These are the terms that you need to grasp the most for podcasting. Keep it to the basics. So we've covered all the big dogs with those four. But I feel like I have to at least make you aware of two more final terms that many podcasters and audio pros use in the final stages of post-processing, but I'm going to keep this really brief. Number one is de or the de -esser. 
This removes sibilance, the sibilance from strong consonant sounds like S's, okay? So that's de-esser. And two is hard limiting. This is a very popular technique that you should apply last. Most people apply this on the master track at the end. And that basically makes sure that your audio never peaks over a certain level. So what you do is you set the hard limiter to say negative one dB or even higher than that. And that you know that no matter how much you crank up the gain, it will never go past that limiter. And one of the benefits of using a hard limiter is that you can make the overall sound of your podcast or your audio really loud, but it, you know that it will never clip or peak by because it, it hits the brick wall. And that is the 101 definition. There's more to it, but that's pretty much the basics of it. All right. So if you listen to podcasts or music on your iPhone, you have probably experienced music or podcasts that are really loud. Then you get to the next one, it's really quiet, and you have to kind of play this game with your volume. Well, there is broadcast standards that are done in TV and radio, and they're trying to kind of enforce this with podcasts. So the last step of my process, I use a tool in Audition called Match Loudness, and I can just simply input what the loudness compliance standards are. Since I record in mono, I have to hit minus 19 LUFS or LUFS. And if you're working in stereo, the compliance is minus 16 LUFS, okay? That's it. I export an MP3 file. I export as a mono, 44.1, 128 kilobits, and then I upload to Libsyn. And I'm done. So in part one, I said, learn the rules first so you can break them, right? Well, I really think that you should know all of the terms that I discussed today and in part one, but I'm gonna let you in on two secrets. The new Essential Sound Panel in Adobe Audition will pretty much do everything that we discussed today with one click or a preset. It even has a preset called Podcast that's gonna apply noise reduction, EQ, dynamics, compression, de-essing, and limiting, and it will smooth out the volumes and it can get you close to broadcast standards. It only goes to minus 23 left, so I usually still use match loudness, but the essential sound panel is really kind of a one-click post-processing that works fantastic. The other secret that we've talked about in previous episodes, you can go through all the editing, export your file as a WAVE uncompressed file, upload it to offonic.com, one click, and it will do all the processing, match it to the compliance, and you have a finished podcast. So both are good options, the Essential Sound and Alphonic, if you don't want to go through the editing process, but I can tell you that knowing the terms is going to make you a better podcaster. So let's sum this up today. Just remember, record clean, and your post-processing is going to be easy. Edit naturally. Don't stress about every um and ah. Keep it sounding natural. Same goes with post-processing. Keep it simple, noise reduction, normalization, high pass filter in the EQ, little compression, match loudness to get the broadcast standards, and you're done. And if you don't want to do any processing at all, use the Essential Sound Panel in Audition or upload a file to Auphonic, and you will get a pretty good results either way. So do you feel like you have a better understanding of some of the audio terms and how they all fit together? I really hope so. And I can tell you that the more I learn and know and understand, the less I feel like I need to do. And that is one of the biggest takeaways that I want you to get from this series. I focus on going in right, getting the proper levels, the proper mic technique, getting my studio as quiet as I can. I turn off all notifications on my phone, my computer. I close all the programs on my computer so the fan is not humming when I record. I edit in one pass usually from start to finish. 
And if you have no interest whatsoever in learning the post-production, you have an out with the new Essential Sound Panel or use Auphonic, which is top-notch. I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I welcome those new to the podcast. And if you have any questions about what we talked about today or last episode, please, mike at mikemurphy.co. I will be happy to help you out. Okay, so the experts tell me that I'm terrible at self-promotion. So I have three quick things here. Please sign up for my newsletter, mikemurphy.co forward slash newsletter. I'm building up the community and I want to have a place that I can keep in touch with you. The newsletter is the best place for that. Number two, I am now offering one-on-one help sessions, and I'm also offering, if you need a new website or a blog, I'm doing custom installs of WordPress using my favorite theme, Divi. And number three, I have a really cool project in the works. There's more to come on that, but I'm going to be doing more YouTube and Facebook Live. One component is Q&A. So this is an official request for questions on anything related to podcasting, tech, Macs, photography, video, business, you know, all the stuff I talk about. For Twitter users, use the hashtag AskMikeMurphy. I'm following that. I would love if you submitted questions to me. If you did it on video, even better. But I understand if you want to type them in, that's fine. Or email me, do the contact form, doesn't matter. I'm really building up this hashtag AskMikeMurphy on Twitter. And the Q&A is really the big thing. So ask questions, please. I thank you for joining me today. I hope you join my one-man band. And together, we can learn, create, and move forward. Cheers.